Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, when somebody's desperate, they scream. When somebody's desperate, they lift up their voice. Cry aloud, cry aloud, cry out. Dry bones come alive. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. We believe it this morning in Jesus' name. Before you're seated, give someone a high five, a handshake, a hug, a, piss, a fist pump, whatever you feel comfortable with. Amen. Would you turn with me? Come on, turn with me to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to look into God's unchanging, powerful word this morning. And I've entitled my message, The Power of the Word. The power of the word. We're going to look at an interesting passage of scripture in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel. How many of you don't, have never read Ezekiel? No, don't raise your hand. Um, we're going to give you a chance. We'll ask you this question next week. Give you a chance to read it this week. But we're going to look at a vision given to the man of God. A vision of a valley filled with dry bones bones strewn across a great valley. Now, these uh, bones, this valley of dry bones represented God's people. It represented Israel, the people of God, chosen by God, who have been cast out of the land because of wrong choices, because of disobedience, because of idolatry. This judgment came. This judgment came, though, it didn't come immediately. It didn't come at the first sign of rebellion or disobedience. But this judgment came after many warnings, many opportunities to repent, many opportunities to change. Aren't you glad that God is merciful? Aren't you glad this morning that he gives us opportunity after opportunity, warning after warning, rebuke after rebuke before he brings judgment that is necessary not to destroy us but for corrective purposes, for redemptive purposes. This imagery in this chapter uh, is, in, is one of hopelessness, one of uh, defeat, and one that looked like that it was a tragic end. But I'm glad, I'm glad that the story doesn't end that way. If you have your Bibles, would you look and read along? We'll put the scripture up on the screen. Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold there were very many in an open valley and indeed they were very dry here I can in a vision to see this great valley filled with dry bones the Bible says it was full of bones in verse 1 verse 2 it says very many and then it says they were very dry then he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? How many of you know when God asks a question, he is never, ever looking for information. He knows it all. God is never looking for you to tell him something he doesn't already know. Anytime in scripture when Jesus or God asked a question, it was always for either confession or acknowledgement or for the person to come into agreement with God. 
And so look at his response. I answered and said, oh, Lord God, you know. Now, a man of lesser faith, a man of unbelief would have said, no way, Jose. No way, God, could this, could this be. But Ezekiel had enough of faith and enough of a relationship with God to be able to say, oh, Lord, you know. Amen. Whenever we're facing anything, we can say, God, you know. God, you have the answer. God, you have a way out. And again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Preach to these bones. Now, when we hear the word prophesy, uh, we always think of, of a predictive future or someone speaking of what is going to happen in the future. We think of the prophecies of Christ that were made hundreds of years before he came, hundreds of years before he died. They were, they were predictive. They would tell what would happen in the future. And that's part of prophesying, but prophesying is not just foretelling what's going to happen in the future, but it's foretelling. What I mean by that is to prophesy many times in the scriptures meant to declare God's word under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, applying it to where people are at. A relevant word in season could be a prophetic word. So what was God saying to Ezekiel? I want you to prophesy. I want you to preach to dry bones. When I first started uh, preaching and preparing to preach and learning how to preach, I had many books on the subject. And uh, I had one book that I bought that had an interesting title. Anybody want to know the name of the title? All right, I'll just move on. Uh, let's get back to verse 4. The title was How to Raise the Dead in 30 Minutes. And basically, it was, see, we have such a great congregation, but, but you all weren't that responsive when I first started in a storefront. So when I read that book, when I first got started, I said, I could have wrote that book because I do that every Sunday. I have to raise the dead every Sunday. Now, I'm talking about going back to a storefront when we had 20, 30 people there, and, and it just seemed like, you know, you, you give your best word, and it just... It feels like, man, this is a home run. This is going out, to the out of the park, and it's just a pop-up to second base. You know, it just, the ball didn't carry. You understand what I'm saying? It just didn't, and, and, and you know, and it was hard. And, 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 and here is Ezekiel. He's called to preach to a valley of dry bones, dead dry, very dry bones. And, and, and what was he to preach? He says, say to, the, the, to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinew on you and breathe, uh, bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. In your Bible, you should circle then, then, then you shall know. So I prophesied. I preached as I was commanded, and I prophesied, and there was a noise, and it's suddenly in a rattle, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinew and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, I preached that was, as I was commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly 
great army. Then he said to me, son of man, now here's the um, application or um, just the understanding of what is going on. God is letting him in on this. He said, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. These bones in this valley represent my people. They say, they indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. The people of God had sunk so low, they had been in this uh, place of devastation for so long that they had lost hope. Now, isn't it true in our lives, we could be riding high, we could be on the mountaintop, we can be rejoicing, we can be in a good space, a good place in our lives, but then all of a sudden, there's a trial, there's a challenge, there's a difficulty, something unexpected, something happens, someone goes crazy in your family, someone does something stupid, you do something stupid, and all of a sudden, things look pretty, pretty bad. And then as time goes on, we can get to a place of hopelessness. And, and, and here's what, what God is saying. These represent my people. And they're saying, you know what? Our bones are dry. We're, we're as good as dead. We're toast. Our hope is lost. And we're cut off. Saying, it don't look good. Matter of fact, it looks really bad. Therefore, again, prophesy, speak and say to them, thus says the Lord, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Verse 13, there's this word again, then. Everyone say then. Then, then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. Verse 14, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. Say, then. Then, it's there again. Then you shall know, says the Lord host. So here we are seeing this imagery in Ezekiel 37 uh, of just hopelessness, of defeat. Um, but the story doesn't end that way. When you have a hope in God, when you have a God who's on the throne, a God who is in heaven, a God who loves you, there, it is never an end. Don't, don't put, don't put a, a period where God puts a comma. Amen? Because we will see in this historic event the power of God to change even the most helpless and hopeless situations. In this passage, we'll see the condition of God's people, a vision, a valley of dry bones representing their condition or their state of where they're at. You know, I love the way the word of God is so clear and, and it, speaks, it speaks truth. It doesn't, it, 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 it speaks of reality, you know, of where we're at. It doesn't candy coat it. We don't, it doesn't uh, allow us to live in denial. The reality is, verse 1 says, it was full of bones. Verse 2 says, very many. Verse 2 also says, very dry, as if it was just heaping phrase upon phrase to, to drive home the reality of how bad things were. It was an image of complete loss and devastation, an army of bones scattered across a valley. The condition of God's people, but the call is to what? The call is to hear God's word. 
The call is to hear God's word. God instructs Ezekiel to preach to the dry bones. That should give every one of us hope. Whatever ministry we're in, whoever we're witnessing to, whatever we're dealing with, you could preach, you could declare the word of God even to something that looks dead, dry, and ready to be buried because God is still a God of the resurrection and his word is powerful. He was to, what was he to say? What does it mean, prophesy? It means to proclaim God's quickening word to them. It means simply to speak under the inspiration of God because God's word is powerful. God's word is powerful. What was he to say? He was simply to say, hear the word of the Lord. Here, they're, they're dry bones, it's a valley, it's hopeless, it's helpless, it's, it's, it's a tragic situation. And, and Ezekiel is to say, hear the word of the Lord. You know what that speaks of? It speaks of the power of this book. It speaks of the power of God's word. It speaks of the authority of God's word. And he speaks, hear the word of the Lord. And what happens? Verse 7, a noise, a rattling, bones come together. Verse 8, sinew and flesh and skin begin to cover them. Hear the word of the Lord. That same word we have today right in our hands. That same word. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall never pass pass away. Jesus said in John 6, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Romans 10.17 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Almighty God. Jesus would say in the parable of the sower and the seed, he would say the seed is the word of God. You hold in your hand a seed. You hold in your hand a seed that is a word that can be planted in the good soil of a heart that can transform and completely change the most difficult and impossible situations. You see, this word is a seed, and it'll never lose its power. This word is a seed that always has the possibility and the potential for life and for fruitfulness. Back in the 1960s, in the um, fortress that Herod the Great built in the southern part of the land of Israel next to the Dead Sea, it's called Masada. This was, uh, still exists, the, the actual excavated area uh, of this, this royal fortress that was set on top of a mountain. They, they, they cleared and, and, and just opened it up. And that, this was an area uh, where uh, Herod built in, in 30-something B.C. and was destroyed by the Romans in uh, 70 A.D. And, and in this royal fortress, there were some seeds that were found in the 1960s that scientists said go back 2,000 years. 
They had 2,000-year-old seeds that were found. They took these seeds and they planted them. And if you could put up that image, that is the tree that came from a seed or seeds that were 2,000 years old. It is historically before that a seed that they had found that, that had germinated and produced a, a plant or a tree was uh, 700 years old. This seed or the seed that produced this tree was 2,000 years old. What am I saying? I'm saying that there are prophetic words that have come your way. There are seeds that have been sown in your heart. God has spoken some things. It might be five years, 10 years, 20 years, but that seed, that word has not lost its power. The Bible says, train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he shall not depart from it. Train up a child, and when he's old, uh, I wish the Bible said how old. The Bible doesn't say how old. It just says, you do your part. You train up a child. What does that mean? You sow the seed of the word of God. It could be simple. It could be a phrase. I love it that the children are learning the books of the Bible. Need to know where the book is to find the word. I read, of, I read this in a devotional recently. It says, when your child begins to toddle and talk... Plant God's word deep in their heart. That doesn't mean they won't go astray. Many of us got it wrong before we finally got it right. Just make sure they know where the right path is. Listen to this illustration. Picture a salmon being spawned in a hatchery in Northern California, released into a channel which leads to a creek, the creek to a river, and the river to the Pacific Ocean. The salmon swims for thousands of miles. Then, if by command, it begins the long journey back to its place of spawning. And it not only locates the spot where it entered the ocean, but the river, the creek, and the exact inlet from which it has been released. In one documented story, a salmon worked its way up through a drain, pushed through a hefty screen lid atop a three-foot vertical pipe, and ended up in the same tank in which it was hatched. Unique markings of its fin confirm this. Direct your child into the right path, and when they are old, they will not leave it. The scripture means give your child a taste of the things of God when they're young and when they grow old. The world won't satisfy their taste, and they will return to their spiritual roots. Faithfully do your part and trust God to do his. Come on, somebody, prophesy to the dry bones. I'm talking about the power of the word of God. If Ezekiel can speak to dry bones and declare the word of God and for there to be a rattling and bone come into bone and sinew and flesh coming upon and skin and then there to be life in it, imagine what God can do in your life and in my life. Romans 1.16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. If you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, your life can be changed. Hear me this morning. Don't give up on the power of the word of God. Worship is critical. Prayer is essential. But we cannot 
take lightly the word of God. We cannot take for granted or minimize God's holy word. Why? Because there is power in the word of God. Power, there is, there's power to preach to dry bones, to proclaim God's word. And God's word carries life-changing, life-imparting power. Think about it. If our words have power, how much do God's word have power? God, our words have power. I stood at an altar. I said, I do. And I did. And now I'm done. No, no, I didn't mean that. Let's, the power of a well. All right. Now that you got me off track, you know there's a difference between being complete and finished. There's a difference between being complete and finished. If you marry the right person, you're complete. If you marry the wrong person, you're finished. That's a little premarital counseling for you. I'm complete, amen. You see, we, we have to focus on the word. We don't dwell on the dry bones of our experience. Verse 6 and verse 13 says, Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I've opened your graves, then you will know that I am the Lord. What, what was God saying? What was God trying to communicate to his people? What does he want us to know? That, that when, when God wants to do something supernatural, when God wants to do something impossible, he'll get us to a place of the impossibility. He'll get us to a place where we can't afford it, we can't do it, we can't get out, we need God, so that we have to know that it is him who does it. Why? Because of human pride. Because we all think we're something, especially now with social media. If I get enough likes, if people comment, oh, it blew up. I got thousands of likes. Oh, big deal. Somebody's got millions. <laughs> come on. Come on. It's not about that. It's, it's, about, it's not about our pride and ourself. It's about the God that we serve. And God will get you. You say, why does it seem impossible? Why is it too difficult? Why is it overwhelming? Because God wants to beat out of you and me human pride and self-sufficiency. That we will know that it is God and God alone that has done it. Can you say amen? When God wanted to raise up a nation a people for himself. You know what he started with? He started with a man and a woman who was barren. He started a nation with a barren elderly woman. He made a promise to them. When Abraham was 75 years old, uh, Sarah was 65, he said, you're going to have a child. He promised them at 75 and 65. They were already old. They were already beyond uh, childbearing age. And yet God made them wait another 25 years. So that there would be no question, there would be no question who did it. And at 100 years old, and Sarah at 90, she gave birth. Why? So that we would know that we know that we know it's God. Ezekiel says, and then, and then, only then, and then you will know that it is God. We see it over and over with the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, his wife Rebecca was barren for 20 years. 
Again, trying to, trying to trace the lineage of Jesus Christ, trying to have a, a nation by which God would bless the world and bless the nations. We have Abraham, his wife was barren. We have Isaac, his wife was barren. We have Jacob, Rachel, barren for 14 years. She got so desperate, she cried out. She said, give me children or I die. Once again, why? To confirm it was all of God's doing. Today we need to realize the power of God as it is revealed in the word of God. You see, as Ezekiel declared the word, bones came together. Sinew and flesh and skin came together. You know what's interesting? Just a side note. I don't have this in my notes, but, but look at the phases of the workings of God. It didn't happen all at once. There was bones that came together. There was sinew and flesh and skin. And even then, there was no life in them. And sometimes God works in our lives and he does it in phases. He does it in, in stages. And, and we have to trust him each, each stage or each phase of the way. We have to trust him that he's working and he's doing it. Even if we don't see the fulfillment of that word when we want it, we know God has begun it. Sometimes, sometimes it's just the cloud the size of a man's hand. Sometimes it's just something off in the distance. We don't see the rain. We don't see a downpour yet. But we believe God's promised it and all we see is a little hand but when, you know what I hear something I hear the sound of an abundance of rain I sense it in my spirit God is about to do it and that keeps me going that keeps me going to know that I know that I know even when I don't see it we need to know that even when we're doing ministry in the church Sometimes we get a vision. Sometimes we have a God idea and we set out to do it. And, 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 and the first time, 12 people, 15 people show up and it's hallelujah. The vision's coming to pass until next month. Three people show up. The next month, it's just you there. God, what happened? You need to learn perseverance. You need to learn there are phases and stages of God's working. And you need to keep persevering until God fulfills his word. Can you say amen? Amen. Hear the word. Receive the word. Let God inspire faith in you this morning so that the dry bones could come alive. Luke chapter 5 verse 1. I love this phrase in, in the scripture. It says the multitudes pressed about him to hear the word of God. The multitudes pressed. They pressed about him to hear the word of God. You know what that speaks to me? It speaks that they were at the edge of their seat. Come on. It speaks to me that they were attentive to the preaching of the word of God. Not because I'm so great, but because his word is so great. Come on, somebody say amen. Attentive, listening. You see, when we come to the house of God, that should be our posture. That should be our posture. If you ever see me on a phone on Sunday morning, I'm either texting someone related to the service. I am not on, on an app. I am not on Facebook. I am not. It's just, just so you know. Can I say the same? Can you say the same thing? Let me, let, me, let me walk down some of these aisles. Come on, someone's slipping their phone away. I'm looking over there too. Don't, don't think I got... That's what I love. We used to have... Remember the days we'd have a, a wire? We'd have a, a long... A, a, a long cord, we couldn't go too far. It's like, now I can go all the way back here. But, but see, the Bible says they pressed in 
to hear the word of God. That should be our posture. I never heard of a defendant falling asleep during the reading of his verdict. Never heard of an individual falling asleep at the reading of a rich, close relative, his will. See, this is the last will and testament of our Lord and Savior, our great God and our gracious God. This is his his last will and testament. This is, this is what we possess. This is what has been left to us as our inheritance. The Bible says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. The Bible says we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness whereby we might live a holy life. We've got it all in this book. Someone said the Bible speak reveals the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and it's the Christian's charter. Here paradise is gained, heaven open, and hell disclosed. Christ is its grand object, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should, it should fill the memory, rule the heart, guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life will be opened in the judgment and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, promises the highest reward for labor, and condemns all who trifle with its sacred contents. You see, there is a danger of you and I becoming indifferent, careless, distracted, and taking for granted the word of God. I like what John Wesley said. To be candid, reason, reasonable man, I am not afraid to lay open what have been the most inmost thoughts of my heart. John Wesley said, I have thought, I am a creature of a day, passing through life as an arrow through the air. I am a spirit come from God and returning to God, just hover, hovering over the great gulf, till a few moments hence, I am no more seen. I drop into an unchangeable eternity. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended to teach the way. For this very end, he came from heaven. He has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book at any price, Give me the book of God. How important it is to not take for granted the preaching and teaching of God's word. You can't replace it. You can't negotiate with it. You can't have something else instead of it. The word is critical. That's why the devil works overtime to stuff up your ears, your spiritual ears, 
so that you don't hear the word of God when you come into the house of God. Why? Because of the power of the seed. Because of the power of the word of God. Why do you feel so distracted? Why do you come to church sometimes some mornings and all hell breaks loose that morning or the night before? Why? Because the enemy of your soul is trying to rob the seed of the word of God. Let me, let me talk to you parents that have teenagers in this church. Let me talk to you teenagers this morning. Some parents are not here that have teenagers. It is, it is really a travesty when we have such an awesome youth pastor and wife and team that every Wednesday night they, they, he prepares a good word to preach to teenagers. And we have a good turnout. But you know what? There should be more. And you young people that go to youth, don't take for granted the word of God that's being taught to you. That's not the case everywhere. And you can't take it lightly because that word is able to say, Save your soul, transform your life, and revive you and do something for you nothing else in this world can't do. What social media is doing to you to make you insecure, to make you compare yourself, the Word of God comes and it renews your mind and renews your heart and lets you know it's not what culture says about me, it's not what social media says about me, but it's what God says. And there are young people that take for granted what they hear every Wednesday morning, some every Wednesday night, and there's some parents that don't even bring their children. You need to smarten up. Turn to the person next to you. Help me out this morning. They're not, they're not receiving it. Tell them to smarten up. A couple of years ago, a young woman in her 30s or 40s, she was a part of this church, and she moved out of state. And um, she was in our church for many years and came back to our church one Sunday morning visiting family for some event. I don't know if it was a wedding or what it was. But, but she came on a Sunday morning and she heard the preaching of the word. And this is not in any way to, to, to puff me up. This is, this is to once again emphasize the power of the word. The power of the word. And she came to that service and, and she hadn't been in this church for many years. And she came and she's sitting there. And after church, she told my wife and I this. She said, during the message, as, as the word's being preached, she's rejoicing, she's receiving it, she's saying amen. She's sitting on the end, edge of her seat, as in, as in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. She was pressing into the word. But as she was doing that, she looked around at her friends. Now, I don't know who you are. I'll, we'll find out later. But she looked around at her friends, and they were just sitting there. Who was looking at their watch? who was on their phone, and she was saying, I couldn't believe that they were unresponsive when the word was preached. Oh, come on, somebody say amen. Oh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. You see, because the word never, ever loses its power. A seed, 2,000 years old, put in good soil, germinates, springs down, springs up, is able to produce a harvest. What am I trying to say? That the word of God is powerful. The word, it has nothing to do with the, with, the, with the power of the word. It has everything to do with the soil of the heart. It has everything to do with your heart and my heart. This word is powerful. And it doesn't have to be preached by a great preacher like your pastor. It could be preached at any... Why are you laughing? It doesn't matter. Anybody speaking the word of God, if your heart is receptive, it can change you. It can transform you. It can heal you. The Bible said he sent his word and he healed them. He, when, he, when he wanted to bring deliverance, you know what he did? He sent his word. 
When God wanted the dry bones to come alive, he said, Ezekiel, I want you to proclaim my word and the dry bones will come alive. Hallelujah. The word of God is still powerful. Do you need restoration? The word of God says, I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. Come on, would you stand together with me? I'm going to ask the singers and the musicians to come back as we close our time together. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, give us ears to hear this morning. Give us a heart to perceive today. Oh, God, take out the stony heart and give us a new heart. Oh, God, take out the weeds. God, take out the debris. God, take out the distraction. God, take out the callousness. God, take out the, the lack of attentiveness to the word of God because we're so, so conditioned by the world. God, our, our, our attention span has become just a matter of a minute or two when it used to be 30 and 40 minutes because we've been worn down. God, help us. Come on, hear the word of God. Do you need healing? Luke tells us, Luke 7, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. You need refreshing? The Bible says repent and he will send seasons of refreshing in Acts chapter 3. Do you need blessings? Ezekiel 34 tells us there will be seasons of blessings. Hallelujah. Do you need financial provision? My God shall supply all of your needs. Philippians 4.19. Do you need God to provide for you? He's Jehovah Jireh of Genesis 22. Come on, I want you to prophesy to that area of your life. It might seem foolish. How foolish was it for Ezekiel to go into a valley and to proclaim God's word to a, a valley full of dry bones? It was utter foolishness. And sometimes we look at the dry bones of our very experience and we say it's foolish to speak anything but to give it a decent burial. No, the Bible says they were graves yet. Hallelujah. Even though they were dry, even though they were dead, they weren't buried yet, so there was hope. Come on, there's hope for you this morning to proclaim God's eternal word. One of the enemies, and I close with this, one of his favorite lies is to tell you that nothing is ever going to change. He'll tell you you're never going to get well. He'll tell you you're never going to get married. He'll tell you your marriage is never going to work out. He'll tell you you'll never break that addiction. He'll tell you that your children will never come back to the right path. He'll tell you you're never going to get out of debt. It doesn't matter how long you've been in those circumstances. God can begin to change things. Suddenly, he can turn it around. We need to call out to dry bones and tell them, come alive. Seem foolish, look foolish, but that's what Ezekiel was called to do. And I want to pray over you and just take a few moments. If you would just move out of your seats. Come on, once again, we want to respond to the word of God today. We want to say to God, God, you see the dry bones of my experience. And by faith, I'm going to do what you told Ezekiel to do. I'm going to out and I'm going to declare prodigals you're coming back home I'm going to declare that there's healing there's restoration I'm going to declare that my ministry is not done not over come on I'm going to I'm going to prophesy I'm going to speak I'm going to declare what God will do amen come on let's sing let's sing and then we're going to pray come on begin to prophesy begin you to declare you are worthy it. of it all